help you come, cried father, and we climbed up onto his shoulder pads, me on the left shoulder, my sister on the right. Father always preferred to carry us, particularly when navigating crowds of unhappy miners. All this was part of the daily family ritual. The streets to and from school were always blocked by weeping miners, all of them utterly unconsolable because they didn't like the new David Bowie album. A bit rushed, they would say, in between fits of tears, and not a patch on Let's Dance. In those days, the internet was on cassette tapes. I had two BuzzFeed cassettes, also National Rail Inquiries, and Wikipedia Volume 17, 19 and 42. After school, I would lie under the trampoline in the rain and listen to the internet on my Walkman until Mother called me in for green crisps and our nightly performance of Starlight Express. On Friday nights, Father would bring home a prawn cocktail wrapped in the latest Beano. After sharing the prawns, we would flatten the paper and enjoy the exploits of Dennis the Menace best we could in amongst the transparent panels of Greece. Prawn windows, we used to call them. The stories had so many holes, but the menacing made little sense, truth be told. A prawn window over the final panel was particularly perplexing. The Beano for us was a world full of angry, knobbly-kneed children ranting between blackouts, the occasional thumbs-up to a dog. All in all, a world we recognised intimately, which is probably why we all adored it. Of all the children on the street, my sister and I were the glossiest. Mother sellotaped a neon bar to each of my shoulder pads, and I would walk up and down the road, all aglow, sometimes singing the theme tune to Terror Hawks. I was five. My sister was three. Sometimes another child would pull the battery out the back pocket of my shorts, and I would cry. Mother always said that the other children were jealous because they weren't members of the Ian McNaught Davis fan club, and after that I would sleep soundly, nuzzling my stocks in Comshare till morning. My best friend was Belinda, the only girl who ever played the Pac-Man board game with me. When autumn came, Belinda's mother told her that the family was leaving Essex. Her father had won a job in Wigan, birthplace of the removable hairpiece. On the day she left, I was beside myself with grief. I crouched in a pond, clutching The Guardian's lukewarm review of Muppets Take Manhattan for the best part of an hour, but all was forgotten by seven o'clock when the family received its daily perms. Saturday mornings, my friends and I would stand behind the roller disco, practicing our surprised faces until the owner would come and shoo us away with a Stephen King novel. Our bicycles had three sound effect buttons and we were wont to press them, particularly in the winter, as the microchips generated a small quota of warmth. 
the first button was a recording of Margaret Thatcher saying, It's a funny old world. The second was a recording of a machine gun. The third was an owl hooting. Together, these three sound effects told quite a story. A different story, in fact, depending on the order you push them. An insane Margaret Thatcher firing a machine gun and startling an owl. An owl somehow firing a machine gun to the amazement of Margaret Thatcher. A mysterious machine gun startling an owl, much to the condemnation of Margaret Thatcher. A mysterious machine gun startling Margaret Thatcher, much to the condemnation of an owl. An owl noticed by Margaret Thatcher for its magical beauty before being gunned down by a machine gun. Finally, Margaret Thatcher talking to herself before being ambushed by an owl with, yes, a machine gun. A plethora of combinations, more than enough for any young boy. By the time I'd worked through the entire repertoire, it would usually be time for bed. My duvet was a section of the Berlin Wall, covered in beautiful German graffiti, all the colours of the rainbow. I remember it being incredibly heavy. It was possibly the greatest year of the century, if not of all time. I don't think anyone has anything bad to say about 1984. Things were just better. All of us were so stupidly perfect. It was as if the entire planet was being processed through the naivety of a child. Oh, it was heaven. A cola bottle dropped into cola. If only I could go back there to that endless summer when a frog chorus echoed over Braintree like the wind blown right through my heart. If, if there was a vote to take us back to 1984 once more, if someone, anyone, came forward with a plan to reinstate that miracle year, I would pop my cross in the box faster than you can scream, do you know it's Christmas? Let me vote for 1984. And burn everything after, please take me back to this magical place where there is no darkness. Nostalgia has been on my mind a lot recently, um, over my career as... Oh, hang on, I've not said my name. Hello, my name's Ross Sutherland. You're listening to Imaginary Advice. Thanks for listening. Anyway, so nostalgia, has, it's been a lot on my mind recently, um, over my career as a writer. I think it's fair to say that, um, that I've leaned on nostalgia a fair amount. I'm not above dropping a bit of iconic pop memorabilia into a story as a cheap shortcut to my audience's heart sentimentality is a powerful emotion i go to the well um i've fallen into the well a good few times 
So I am aware that like some of the work that I do um, is part of this growing trend of art that looks backwards. I'm contributing to this global epidemic of nostalgia, forever looking back towards this completely constructed, idyllic past. And it's a dangerous tool, isn't it? We know that, you know, particularly when politicised, as we've seen recently, like this, this concept of a lost golden past. It's so incredibly seductive that, uh, that even the most basic ham-fisted sloganeering can still transport people into a kind of crazed reverie. We stopped being British when they took away our yellow pages. You, you knew where you were with a big yellow fucking book. Britain won't be free until we bring back on the buses and Watney's Red Barrel and Smallpox. With that in mind, um, I thought it might be nice to do an episode about the dangers of nostalgia. I hope you liked my opening trip down memory lane. That was 1984 in a nutshell for me. If you remember it, you weren't there, mate. Though I I feel like I should make an apology to any fans of Ivor Cutler. I'm sorry. It's just that as soon as I started to write the piece, it just, it so immediately fell into the rhythm of life in a Scotch sitting room that um, I just just couldn't help myself. So, sorry about that. Uh, So, anyway, now, now, right, the... uh, for the sort of the closing story of this episode, I've, uh, I've I've tried to come up with something that works as a nice companion piece to the opener. So uh, this next piece, it tries to tackle nostalgia in a different way. If the first piece was just kind of wallowing in the problem, uh, this this second piece is, is more my attempt to be part of the solution. Um, I've just I've tried to sit down today and uh, write a book for children on the subject. Assuming it's maybe too late for us, we can at least try to warn future generations of the dangers of a life spent looking backwards. And I've got to say, looking back over here, it came out pretty depressing. I, I might just be too sad a person to write stories for children, I think. But there we are. Anyway, here it is, uh, my first and probably last story for kids. I hope you like it. It's called All of My Mates Are Owls. All of my mates are owls. They live in the woods behind my house. They're cool. They're owls. They used to be scared of the woods, but not now. Not now I'm mates with the owls. The owls know how to turn their heads right round. Right the way round so they can see what's behind them. They taught me how. They taught me how to turn my head right round. I used to be scared of the woods, but not now. Now I can see right behind me. No creature can creep up and bite me. I'll keep my head turned right the way round so no one can follow me back to my house. 
I used to be worried that people made fun of me. I thought people said mean things behind my back. But not anymore. Not now my head turns right the way back. Not now my head can turn right the way round. Not now. All thanks to the owls. These days, when I go to the cinema, I don't really look at the screen at all. I look round. I turn my head round like I learned from the owls. And I stare at the people sitting behind me. The whole film I stare at the people behind me to make sure that nobody talks. I miss most of the film but it works. Nobody makes a sound. Thanks to my head that turns all the way round. Thanks to the owls. These days when I go out to dinner. I don't really look at my plate at all. I look round. I turn my head round like I learnt from the owls and I stare at the people eating behind me. I stare at the people eating behind me to check that their food isn't better than mine. I check I've not made a mistake. I hate it so much when I make a mistake. My food goes cold, but at least I can say that I didn't miss out. Thanks to my head that turns all the way round. Thanks to the owls. Every night, every day, every journey I take, I look back to make sure I've not made a mistake. No time to think about where I am going. There's just too much to think about where I've just been. Did I eat enough breakfast? Did I flush that toilet? Did I say the right thing? Mum likes to walk by the side of a river and I walk beside her, head in reverse. We walk past lots of cool dogs, but alas, I don't see the dogs till they've already passed. Look, says my mum. Look at the sunset. Look at the light dancing through the clouds. The sun so low it is kissing the trees, turning the sky into pink lemonade. Don't you think it looks gorgeous? Wow. We're so lucky we caught this. But I'm looking at the brick wall behind us. The suspicious, grey, flat wall behind us. I'm just checking it doesn't fall down and crush us. Someone's got to keep an eye on it. Your head's always turned round the wrong way, says Mum. You hang out too much with those owls. But I like looking backwards, I say. I like the world more this way round. It's your birthday tomorrow, says Mum. As a treat, why not straighten that neck out for once? Don't worry about what's behind you. Have fun. But I'm not really listening to mum. I'm staring over my shoulder. I can't really think about me getting older. I'm thinking about all the years that have passed. The toys that I broke. All the cartoons I missed. All of the stupid questions I've asked. I can't help but look back. 
think about all the time I spent in the woods just chilling with owls. Hang on. Why did I spend so much time in the woods just chilling with owls? I could have been doing so many things, like learning the drums, or taking dance lessons, or watching the sun go down. I go to the woods behind my house and invite all the owls to my birthday party. Come to my house, I say to the owls. But all of the owls just turn their heads round and stare at the moon until I go home. The owls don't hate me, but the moon is so bright and their necks are so bendy, they can't help but turn their heads away from me. Owls are cool at a distance, yes, but not best friend material, I guess. Yes, they can turn their heads right the way round, but they don't know a thing about being a kid. Maybe I shouldn't have tried so hard to be like the owls, but now... Now I can't seem to turn my head back around. I can't seem to look straight ahead of me. I know that there's great stuff waiting ahead of me. A house full of candles and presents ahead of me. New friends waiting for me to meet them. Days, weeks, years ahead of me. It could be anyone. It could be anything. But even... When I reach my front door, it's so hard to turn back around. I don't want to face all the things waiting for me. It could be anyone. It could be anything. I'm scared that I won't like what's waiting inside. I might be more scared of the things straight ahead than I was of the things left behind. On the count of three, I say to myself, I'm turning my head back around. I look one last time back into the woods. I listen out for the owls. And far away, I can hear them all hooting and farting and just being owls. They'll always be out there. Should I ever need them? But I don't need to think of them now. Not now that my hand's on the back door and I can smell candles. I know that I'll manage somehow. I turn the handle and turn my head in three, two, one. Now. It's funny how owls became an accidental theme of the episode. I don't know why that is. Oh, I, uh, it's because I went to an owl display two weeks ago. Okay, right, that's fine. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, that, that makes sense. Okay, anyway, that's all from the podcast this time. I'm sorry that it went up a bit late. Um, I'm going to be uh, on stage at Latitude Festival this week. Um, I'll be comparing the literature tent uh, on the Friday night. This year it's not called the literature tent, it's called the speakeasy tent. I don't know. Um, I'll also be doing two special um, imaginary advice live performances at Port Elliot Literature Festival in Cornwall later in the month. Uh, so if you're at either festival, um, come say hi. Um, I'm also planning to do a lot of recording at these festivals, so hopefully something will make it into a later episode of the podcast. If you'd like to support the podcast through Patreon, you can do that. It's really useful for me. Um, or giving me a five-star review on iTunes is also a big help. Um, I'll be back soon. Uh, I miss you, and I worry about you. Take care of yourself. Until next time, this has been imaginary advice thanks for listening